What is up everyone, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode, I just have a couple quick announcements. First off, thank you for tuning in. The support on the podcast so far has been amazing. We're super excited about the community that we're building here with Move Local. So we cannot wait to continue to grow and meet more amazing people. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, head over there and follow us, move.local as well as sign up for our newsletter if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any new releases of episodes, of merchandise, of exciting news that we have coming up for the Move Local community. Head over there, sign up so you do not miss out. You can find that in the bio on Instagram or in the show notes below of this episode. And then lastly, guys, if you've liked or took value from any one of our episodes so far, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you consume your podcast, subscribe to Move Local, and drop us a review and a rating. It really helps our podcast grow. It helps us get good feedback from you guys, what you want to hear more of, what you want us to improve on, so that we can continue to provide you with the best content possible and grow this amazing community. That is all I have for today. Enjoy this episode of Move Local. Welcome to the Move Local podcast. Our mission is to connect the movers and shakers of the Duntas and Hamilton area who pride themselves on growing a healthier and more connected community. We will do this through having conversations around health, education, entrepreneurship, and much more. We want to be part of helping you move confident, move free, and move local. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Move Local podcast brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and alongside me, as always, are my two co-hosts, William and Donald. How are we doing today, fellas? Well, you know, always good when the Mm. guest brings coffee. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a great start to the podcast. We never say no to coffee. Sipping on a little Cafe Domestique. Their new location is open now, I'm pretty sure, or am I putting... Fake news out there. I love how it was just open, too. There was no, like, <laughs> announcement or anything. It was just kind of one day you walk by and it's open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's definitely definitely full, fully open. Amazing. Uh, there was a bit of a soft open on the weekend, and uh, now it, we should be spreading the good news for sure. Sweet. And I'm yeah. sure when this podcast goes out, it'll definitely be <laughs> a couple weeks that it's been open. But um, we'll dive into this episode. So the guest that brought us coffee today is Josh White. He is the owner of Stay Wild Films, and we're going to sit down and talk to him about videography, his journey, mountain biking, all that fun stuff. So, Josh, welcome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's uh, brought the free coffee, but I think I just got a free physio uh, session now. Yeah. Of this, too. Got a little work on my finger before we got started. <laughs> Comes in here, Don's wiggling him around, making sure he's good to go. Um, got to well, get him on the trails. Man. On that note, like when I last saw you, you were holding a giant camera with a brace on so now you have no brace so maybe we could talk a little bit about that first um what happened and all that yeah yeah so i'm a freelance filmmaker so when uh i get any injuries it makes working very difficult so (laughs) i've been trying to find ways to keep myself filming even though i couldn't take any paid jobs so the last few months actually all summer really i've been working with uh chris and kendra doing a little launch video for domestique and uh domestique 2 and so i was started filming back in may and then when i broke my hand had to take some time off but uh luckily enough i wasn't in the cast too long i was able to get out to shoot a little bit of the truck as uh they were still working out of there so 
pulled a few of you guys in for interviews just to see how domestique has kind of affected you guys uh, coming in locally recently and everything and uh, showing off kind of the the local side of Dundas, which has been pretty fun. So it's been a fun project to work on for sure. Yeah, and you, you've done some, some projects, like local projects in the past as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that was the other kind of thing that I've been working on just throughout because a lot of what I've been doing has been sports work and more commercial projects, but my passion obviously is the outdoors, so I wanted to show off other people, similar to what you guys have been doing locally, who are getting people kind of stoked to get outside and kind of reconnect with the outdoors since obviously in this day and age people are glued to their phones and everything so if they're going to be glued to their phones my motto has been kind of make this the last thing you watch today to get you kind of excited to get back outside so i've done two episodes so far with covid it kind of put a hold on the locals for episode three but i've got another one kind of in the works and domestic kind of goes in alongside that where there's still that kind of connection that chris and kendra have kind of brought into the community to kind of build that community of the outdoors with tons of hikers, cyclists, runners, and just everyday people kind of congregating at that one location. Where did that like love for the outdoors start for you? Oh, like since I was a kid, I mean, my parents had me camping and stuff when I was a kid. And, um, I had started working at sport check when I was like, uh, 15. So that's where my love of bikes kind of first came in. I had bought an iron horse that was way too heavy that as it needed to be but uh it really got me into riding and because i I waited a little bit longer to get my license uh to drive my bike was my way of getting around and so it was always hiking was a little too slow for me and uh this just gave me a way to explore even further within the city and then um so stay wild films which is is this recently a new business or like you transitioned it from something else correct yeah so my old uh, business which uh, I had been running since 2014 I think as soon as I came out of film school uh, was Kindle and Cole Films and um, that was made as more of a wedding film company it didn't really match what I was doing anymore uh, so Stay Wild was kind of kind of hit it on the nose the type of work that I was looking to get into doing and going into more sports it just kind of seemed to fit kind of really nailed the outdoor stuff and uh yeah, so I thought the name changed. It was kind of time to do it. Yeah, I I, lo- I love the name mm-hmm. um, for sure. It definitely definitely fits the the vibe that I get from you. So your your history is sort of you know very active in the outdoors. Growing up, um, what transition do you like? What drove you towards cinematography, film, school? Uh, yeah, again, like when I was younger, I always kind of grabbed a camera. It was my parents always had a. VHS camera and uh, one of those high eight ones too. So I think my first camera I picked up when I was uh, grade, my grade eight graduation, I got a point and shoot camera and like took photos all the time because it wasn't quite accessible yet to have a video camera. But going into high school, I was a skateboarder. So you're always filming your buddies skateboarding. And I, funny enough, I was not really a risk taker I didn't want to have the injuries that I saw my friends were getting, so I was more willing to film it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and I actually chose mountain biking because I was like, oh, I get a bit more of a workout and probably less injuries, but I've had more injuries now than I ever have. Um, but uh, yeah, so my first video camera I think I got when I was in grade nine, and then 
again, uh, holding off and getting my license. My parents, when I was 16, were going to give me the money towards getting my driver's license. I spent that money on a camera instead. So um, everything I kind of did kind of led me to this point. And it was just always uh, super fun. Like, it's just fun to go back and watch uh, memories in that, right? So that's kind of how it got started. And then I realized as the internet got faster that the film industry was way more accessible. It wasn't even so much the cameras. It was just having higher internet speeds made the industry so much bigger. There was so much more opportunity where before it was like, you're going to do feature films, which is something that I never really was interested in. But when documentary was like, oh, you can upload these things to YouTube, it was like a no-brainer. You just get right into it. Yeah, I think that changed the game for a lot of people in that space when the barrier to entry to post content or put out yeah. your stuff was so easy and that not what like the cinematography was like obviously like you said going to make a movie or something like that was really the only probably one of the only routes that you could necessarily go and now you can create your own thing which is what it seems like you did with stay wild films and like I, I was taking a look through your youtube and it's like you do a little bit of like a vlog style kind of approach yeah. to it so what kind of shaped like that for you was there something that led you down that direction or well i so the last couple of years i've been heavily influenced by my i share a studio at the cotton factory with a few other guys uh and there's a it's funny because we're like a broad spectrum in the film industry I, the one guy who we all rent the space from does feature films he's shooting a feature film right now um and then brandon another guy that's in there he does he still does weddings but he also does commercial stuff in social media uh i do a lot of the stuff with the the Leafs and Raptors and commercial. I do a kind of mix of everything. And then you've got Jesse on the other side, Jesse Driftwood, who is a full-time YouTuber. So I kind of get a mix of all of that where Stay Wild, the YouTube channel, kind of brings all of that together. It's just kind of whatever, almost whatever I have time to make when I'm not doing paid work. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes the vlog stuff, it's not actually my favorite thing to do, but it's sometimes the easiest to kind of put out there. Um, more of what I want to do is more of the locals episodes where it's more documentary, but uh, I definitely say I've been influenced by all of those guys where it's just even like having the confidence to throw yourself on the camera is yeah. super weird to do. So when you've got three other guys that are doing it all the time, it makes it a little bit easier to, to kind of do that as well. So yeah, that channel is like an amalgamation of all of that, but definitely want to push it towards the more of the documentary and outdoor stuff. So that's where I'm hoping in the next few months when uh, people are getting, as long as we keep the numbers down with COVID, people are comfortable kind of being around each other. I can shoot a little bit more of that. Mm. What about like the documentary creation, like motivates you to like do that style? A big thing on with my YouTube channel, I didn't want it to be just me talking. I mean, that's usually what do, does better on YouTube, but I think it's just people have way better stories than I have to tell. So if I have the equipment and the knowledge on how to make their stories kind of pop, uh, then I definitely want to show that. Like the next episode that, I, that I'm hoping to grab her uh, is Janie Mitch's. Uh, yeah. She is an incredible artist and she has such an insane story um, that I'm sure if you're local, you already know her, but you know, survived cancer twice and is a was a semi-pro rock climber, mountain biker, 
Um, and now all of that kind of went into her art and people commission her to do these art pieces. So hmm. such a cool story. So we're trying to lock in some time to, to get that going. And those are the people I actually want to reach out to and talk to. And that was the same with the first episode that I did with Tim Price. Tim Price is like the local mountain bike mayor. I call him the mayor of mountain biking. I've done that because you go on a ride and you can't go anywhere without someone stopping him to say hi. Because they all know him because he's like built this community around himself and getting people stoked to ride bikes. So I just find that documentary lets you show other people in their best light and uh, and kind of showing their struggles and what they've overcome. It's just way more interesting than what I have to say. <laughs> I watched that uh, episode. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. Is it t- that was the longest one so far. Again, only two episodes, but that one took a while to make. Uh, again, just trying to – that's the other thing that's – fun is trying to lock in times with people and things can happen that you never saw happening with the film so it's like you you've got a general idea of what it's going to be but you're it's not until you have all the footage and you start editing there like oh it's something totally different is there a certain way that you try to film them like style wise yeah i mean i i think i've got a bit more of a it depends on the subject again, but um, like for Tim, I knew that I wanted to show him on his local trails. Mm-hmm. He's um, he's helped in building the mountain bike community and some of the trails that we were riding, he's been riding for forever and he knows them so well. So, I mean, uh, I wanted to show that and kind of show some secret spots that we have around where people are like, oh, where, where was that? And you kind of, it's like, oh, well, you'll, yeah. you'll find it eventually, right? But... Uh, yeah, for that one, it, was, it, it wasn't it was so much, and I told him, because he kept asking, you know, should I ride this really hard and really fast? And I was like, no, like, we're just showing you in your natural habitat. <laughs> this, is, this is Tim on his local trails, right? So, um, and it was more about how he came into mountain biking. So I said, you know, don't worry about riding it super hard all the time. Um, we're going to get lots of that as well. So I had him out riding Agreement Forest, which is really his favorite spot to ride which is definitely a slower, more technical riding. So I was trying to show more of that. So showing a lot more of the rock and kind of that really janky stuff that he has to pedal his way through. Um, So yeah, it was just a lot of, you know, trying to find ways to show his riding style, which is definitely unique in the way that he can make it through obstacles and features that most people can't. I don't know if you've ridden with Tim before, but... The guy's insane climbing super steep stuff and riding on a train track for half a kilometer. It's it's pretty impressive. So for him, it was definitely trying to find ways of showing that. Yeah, I think that was what was cool about it. Is it really showed like his personality. Yeah. But also like the awesomeness of the environment itself. Yeah, yeah, and that's that was it, right? It's, it's not just like most mountain bike edits and that are just showing like extreme riding and stuff. And I mean we're southern ontario we don't have really extreme riding that's steep in that so yeah. it's showing kind of more of the the environment around them and, and why mountain biking is such a big thing in the in the dundas valleys but specifically because like we're surrounded by a horseshoe of escarpment which is really cool what was neat was seeing the community involved with the kind of mountain bike crew i guess like it wasn't just him. Yeah. It was also like everybody around him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's and that's it. It's not just kind of one person, but it's that community that he builds builds up around him. And uh, into episode two with with Joel Jones, uh, I drove up to Huntsville for that one, but 
I found him on Instagram uh, through another friend of mine, and he was he takes incredible photos of the Muskokas, but it was the fact that he had these monthly meetups, and he would have 30 to 50 people that would show up for these things, go hike into the middle of Algonquin Park, and I found out talking to these people that they were coming from London, from Hamilton, like they're driving three, three hours up there monthly to just go kind of shoot and network with other creatives, which was really cool. Yeah, and that word like community seems to pop up a lot. And then like local, you know, you're even rocking like Valley Town Trailco, which yeah. is like rich. So I know that's a big part of, of your brand. Why like Dundas and what makes it like such a cool place to do that kind of thing? Well, exactly that. It's just, it's got such a strong sense of community. I mean, even with uh, tons of people coming in from Toronto, I think they come in because they sense that as soon as they come in here. It's like a, it's a little bubble in, within Hamilton that uh, is just really cool. Like, I'm not actually in Dundas myself, mm-hmm. but I love riding down here and, uh, and connecting with people. Like, again, I don't know if we would have met if it was just in like the wider Mm -hmm. Hamilton area. It's just like you come in here and everyone kind of knows each other uh, and all have that genuine sense of, you know, they just love kind of getting out, staying active in that. Do you think like, and I'm new, very new to this area and especially Dundas, like, do you feel that Dundas takes a lot of pride in that? And like, they try to protect that community aspect in a way? Yeah, I think in a good way. I mean, there was the one time when I was actually up shooting with uh, Tim on Dundas Peak and uh, there were a couple of older women that were up there and have been grown up in Dundas kind of thing and were asking what we were doing because I was getting some drone shots of them. And uh, they said, oh, we're just doing a little video on myself and, and Dundas. And they're like, oh, where are, you, where are you putting that? I said, oh, it's probably going to be on YouTube. They're going, stop sharing our secret. Like, we, we love it the way it is, right? Stop <laughs> stop telling everyone about it kind of thing. And they were, they were kind of joking, but you also got the sense that they're kind of serious as well, which I totally respect because yeah. obviously it's become a really sought-after place, which is just showing how great it is. But um, even for myself where, you know, I'd love to move down here at some point, but, I mean, it's getting pricey. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. There's always every, whenever I'm out on the the local trail networks around here and I see, you know, the hundreds of people out on the weekend, there's a selfish part of me that, that thinks, oh man, why did everyone have to find this social media? Right. Yeah. But, but then the, you know, the health professional in me and the person who really wants people to appreciate nature and what we have around us is like, no, this is, this is a good thing. It's good that there's people out here and enjoying it. This is why we protect our, um, you know, provincial parks and, and conservation areas, right? Is so that people can get out and enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, nothing but, like, the last few weeks when I was getting out and I was filming a, a YouTube video that I did recently, and I couldn't find parking in the, the Hermitage lot. It was just, like, completely slammed every weekend. So, I mean, if there's one good thing that COVID did was it definitely got people back outside, mm-hmm. and, I mean, from all over the place because... There's not that many people that have to drive into those spots unless you're from out of town. And it's really cool to see that people are really discovering it. Um, Sometimes you wish they'd respect it a little more with the trash and that, but uh, they're getting out. And I mean, I think the more that they get out, the more they'll start to respect it and kind of see a need to kind of save it in that for sure. I think that's part of what your YouTube channel hopefully can show, you know, is like, the fact that this is something to not take for granted and hopefully people that watch it will maybe treat it 
with a little bit more respect than they would have otherwise just because of seeing like how much pride others are taking in it definitely yeah it's uh and again like with it showing other people and how they enjoy the outdoors hopefully again it just gets that kind of connection uh to the outdoors and just getting more people in the right crowds where they can kind of learn from others that have mm-hmm. already been going through there and uh yeah finding that that respect for it for sure so you you kind of merged your two i don't know passions let's say with like videography and, and the outdoors and you started to like create your own business or brand like how was that process like was there some fear around it like what was the steps into that because i know like for us doing what we've done like making that leap can be challenging and i'm sure there's other people out there that have you know a creative mind or they have this thought or this idea and they're they're kind of stuck in that spot of like taking that leap so i'm curious to hear your thoughts on that yeah i mean i it might not be exactly with where you're going with it but the my kind of leap was leaving weddings because I was making a ton of money doing those constantly, but it was the same thing and I was missing all my weekends. Um, and I'd only done a couple of jobs commercially, so it wasn't consistent at all at that point. Um, but I, once I started getting hired on at Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, I just realized I could, okay, this was consistent enough that I could make that jump. And it was only requiring me to do the filming for them. They have their own editors, so I don't have to worry about doing any of that, which was great because it left me more time to do more of my own personal projects on the side. Um, but yeah, the first six months, it was slow. So you're going like, all right, this is uh, maybe not a great idea because um, I cut my income in half. But uh, then it started to come back and then I went and got my drone licensing. So that was another uh, you know service that I could offer. And uh, so that's, kind of become a really good money maker as well. Cause again, most of that commercial work, they're hiring me on just as a camera operator or a DP, I hand the footage off and then I'm, I'm done with that. And so that works out really well. Cause I'm, I don't consider myself an editor. Uh, I love editing my own projects, but when it comes to doing other people's, it's, it's sometimes tougher unless it's in that same kind of realm of things that I really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it just, uh, that was definitely the toughest point for me though. Uh, was leaving the weddings and knowing, unknowing actually if I had any work coming. Mm-hmm. Why was it important for you to make that switch? Uh, I just knew that I was getting bored and so I was struggling to find any way of making every every product that I sent out, every video or film was just starting to feel like it was the same. They were always happy with it, but then it was just like, okay, I've, I've done this for 10 years now like I started shooting them when I was 16 or 17 and uh it was just like uh, I just had enough so um as soon as I had that door open I decided to make the shift because I mean I was like okay I'm getting in and getting the opportunity to film the the team going in the locker room every now and then and Mm -hmm. getting that access I was like okay I'm getting hired on because I must be good enough to do this so might as well make the switch now yeah, it's interesting. So you, you said sort of you were getting bored and I guess where that comes from is that you weren't re- like you're a creative person and so you weren't really able to, you, you sort of explored all of the creative angles that you could in that particular realm, right? And you wanted to open open up to some new challenges by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And there's a few wedding film companies that I still love watching their content because you can tell they still love doing it. Um, but I just kind of, just kind of lost it and uh people were still asking me to shoot their weddings and i just 
kind of said, look, like I'm I'm burnt out at this point, and uh, I don't think that I can give you the best the best film that that you deserve. So uh, I was always willing to kind of send them off to again Brandon, who does great wedding films. Um, always sent them out that way because I was just kind of like I said, burnt out. Was it hard for you to come to that realization, or like, or even like say those words of like, I'm don't feel like my heart's in it or I'm not going to do the best work possible for you because I just don't have that purpose anymore and, like, you should go to someone else? Um, financially, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, uh, no, I, I pretty well knew. My brother, who's also a photographer, he was doing the same thing. We were kind of at the same point at a similar time and uh, I was shooting uh, kind of my last weddings at the same time he was as well as uh, Jesse, uh, who's at the studio, and he had been full-time YouTube for a while, but he had already made commitments to shoot these weddings. And I think we both had our last weddings within about a week of each other. And both of us are just trying to edit through the last one. We're just <laughs> like, both get this just like, let's, let's get through it. But again, like clients were always happy. I always made sure of that. But uh, yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a painful last edit. So I was hundred percent done. Like mentally I was, I was ready for it to be done, but the toughest part again was just the the financial security that you had with it because mm-hmm. people are always going to be getting married uh even through covid times people are getting married and asking for it and uh i actually shot my second shot a wedding for brandon just a few weeks ago and i i it was good it was a refresh as to why I got like out this of was it. the right decision <laughs> yeah, this was the right decision for me yeah. so it was it was good for me for sure yeah yeah that go ahead I was just going to say, I appreciate the, that, that self-awareness or that mm-hmm. introspection that you had to be like, Hey, you know what? I'm people are ha- satisfied with what I'm providing them, but my heart's not in it. You know, I, I need to make, make a shift. Right. Um, personally, I, I feel similar with the shift that, that I made. And I think these guys would probably feel similar is that, um, you know, in our, in my former physio setting, I was, I was providing, you know, the best quality care that I could, but it wasn't really, I, I felt like I was leaving something on the table um, in that model. And, and it was sort of a scary thing to make that shift because there was you know, a certain amount of you know, financial security there. But I think it comes down to sort of following a passion, right? And, and sort of you know, believing in yourself, right? Um, yeah, yeah. For, and the other thing too is uh, why I made this, this shift was because the things that I want to start shooting and getting paid to shoot, uh, wasn't, I couldn't just go out there and ask for those jobs. So doing the locals was a way of kind of putting that work out there. They would say any work that you want to do, just start putting it out there and stuff will start to come. And I've, it's, it's definitely worked. I've gotten a couple jobs out of it, uh, in that cycling community in that, um, after I did that first episode with Tim, I had a small job with Shimano, um, I had another one with uh, another guy who is a cyclist as well from that Shimano job where I, I met another filmmaker and ended up doing a uh, this insane shoot where they had Navy SEALs from California fly up to do this boot camp with the company. And it was like 24 hours of what the SEALs hell week is like. And they <laughs> raised money to do this. And I stayed up for 24 hours straight just filming this whole thing. And it was super cool to get to do that. And it gave me really unique demo reel footage. And it was just like another cool thing that I wouldn't have seen otherwise had I not done these local episodes. And, and I think that's 
what I also really love about my job is doing documentary work, you're also seeing other people's work. So something that you would never do had you done a, a nine to five type job. So, I mean, even doing stuff in DeFasco, I've been through all the different places in there, like the, the dirtiest jobs kind of thing, which was really cool seeing them melting steel down. And I'm like, I would never want to do that full time for myself, but getting to look into other people's lives and how they do it and what their jobs are like is always really cool. So yeah. getting a spread out and do all kinds of different things is, is really neat as kind of like a, a viewer and then just showing that to other people. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, rapid fire questions. All right. All right. <laughs> no pressure. Um, favorite local trail to ride? Oh, man. It's been three months now. Local trail, though. Uh, I don't know if I can actually say the trail name, but uh, let's say Jerry's Trail. Okay. I'm, I'm not a ma- do you know? Do you know what that like secret I, I, you know, I, I ride all the trails. I I'm don't sure know most people already know what it is, but I just don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But uh, Jerry Trail, that's Jerry it. Trail. Going. Yeah. Um, favorite like local restaurant. Local restaurant. Um, I don't know if it's local, but uh, I'm on a burrito kick right now. So uh, burrito bandito down in in Westdale is pretty solid. Burrito bandito. I like it. <laughs> I'm about the burritos. Um, one person that you think we should talk to. Oh, if you can, uh, if you can grab her, Janie for sure. Okay. She would be. Uh, she is very open about talking about her story, and uh, and if I can't snag her, then maybe you guys can, because <laughs> I've been working on it. Working on it, Janie. We gotta get you out. We'll team up and we'll yeah. We'll try to get her yeah. on board. Yeah, we'll do exactly. a little collaboration. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Stay wild films and be local. <laughs> um. I had one more in my mind before the final question, but it's it's slipping. Out. What what does move local mean to you? We'll go with that. Let's do that. Move. I mean, similar to what the locals is to me. Move move local is uh, is kind of getting getting people not outside, but just get moving again. Kind of get yourself offline. That's kind of what I really got the the vibe from it was uh, just getting outdoors and kind of staying active. Awesome. Yeah. It's great. Josh, we appreciate you coming on, man, taking the time. Um, we hope you get back out on the trails after that brace coming off there. I'm temp- I might tempt it this weekend. Yeah, we'll see. that's yeah. awesome. Looking forward to the documentaries coming out, especially with you know Chris. Um, we're obviously had them on the podcast, Chris and Kendra, and they're great, so we're excited for that. Um, why don't you leave where people could find you, your content, whatnot? Yeah, uh, I post more to my, uh, my personal Instagram, uh, J underscore white 89, very original. Um, but uh, stay wild on YouTube, and uh, you can see my site and some of my other work at staywildfilms.com. Great. Thanks for coming on, Josh. No worries. Thanks for having me.